Gorka So it's the 27th of June 2022 So this time now is the time to be sincere in training our minds because these minds of ours they have wrong views deeply embedded within them and so there are right views and there are wrong views but these wrong views have been in our hearts for a long time now they're very deeply embedded with the sense of self this understanding of me and you, us and them and so this is the cause for suffering to arise so when there is this delusion very deeply embedded there's this ignorance there then that goes on to condition uh, craving and clinging and then suffering arises so when the perfectly self-awakened Buddha awakened um, he was able to destroy delusion and knowledge came up within his heart there was this vija, this knowledge and so the delusion just went out all by itself and so if we're going to speak about it in an easy way we can say that he destroyed delusion and there wasn't there this delusion there any more we can see it's like light that if there's a dark room and we turn on the switch then the light appears and the darkness goes out all by itself and the reason that that darkness is gone is due to the presence of light but if there isn't light anymore if that light goes away then the darkness comes up again so we can understand this that it hasn't actually gone anywhere it hasn't actually been destroyed so sometimes Venerable Ajahn Chah would talk about this um, in a way in a wise way and he said that these defilements they're still there it's just that they can't affect the mind it's like darkness is still there but it's just that there's the presence of light and so that darkness can't come up but we're not able to destroy that darkness so when the Buddha gained knowledge there was light that arose and this light was constantly there within his heart and so that darkness was constantly suppressed as well and it's as though that darkness had been destroyed, as though it completely disappeared. So if there's knowledge that arises within our hearts, then that darkness, it can't do anything. The kilesas, they can't affect our hearts. And so the darkness, it goes away or by itself. But in our minds, there deeply imbued with this darkness they're deeply affected by avijja, by ignorance and they just don't know they see things in terms of self in terms of me and you 
and we're not able to extract this view from our hearts, and so the suffering appears. It's like that in this life. If we don't take this view away, it'll carry on being like that in future lives. So whenever the eye sees a form, the ears hear sounds, then that right there is a life that is becoming in birth right there. That we like that thing or we dislike that sensory experience. So throughout the space of a day, there's many births that we undergo. We're born into many, many lives. And this is a birth that takes place within the hearts. But the kind of life that we can see easily is this kind of physical life, the one that ends in death. And we're not able to count how many times uh, we have undergone that. So you can give an example. Just that, say that we own one valuable object and we have this very strong memory that we've put that object into a blue box. And this is something that's very dear to us, something that's very valuable. And we put that box on the shelf and we close it. And that's how we've remembered it. And so we try to find that thing, that thing that we want. And we have this view that it's in a blue box. But we don't see any blue box. All we see is a red box. And so we see that red box and we think, no, it's, it's not in there. So we carry on looking for it. Carry on looking for this object. Keep looking for that blue box but not able to find it. And so we search for it for a whole day, and then a whole week, a whole month, a year, many years. Keep on searching until we die. And then when we get born again, then we search for it all over again. And really, the thing that we're after, it's in the red box. But we're trying to find a blue box. We see the red box, but we don't bother to open it. We don't think that it's in there. So it's like people trying to search for happiness. They're trying to gain happiness, trying to gain freedom from suffering. And none of us want to have suffering. We don't want to feel ill at ease in our body or our minds. We don't want to be pained at heart. We don't want to be separated from the things that we love. We don't want old age, sickness or death. Really, we don't want this craving either. It's when there's um, craving there without stop that our hearts will constantly be after something, they'll constantly be feeling discontented. And so if there's this tanha in our minds um, without stop, then they'll always be wanting there. But if we can put a stop to that wanting, um, then we'll be freed from this tanha. So this creates a lot of difficulty in our hearts, this tanha, this craving. You can see that just 
in the case of material things, in the case of possessions or money. If we have just a little bit, then initially we may be contented with that. But then this tanha, this craving comes up and we want to get more and more. If that's still within the bounds of virtue, the Buddha, he didn't forbid that. It's okay. We put in our efforts, we try to get more things, but we do that in a way that doesn't cause harm to ourselves or to others. So we can see that during the time of the Buddha there was uh, Ananda Pendika and Lady Visaka, and these were the foremost male and female lay disciples of the Buddha. And they were very wealthy, but they also shared. They also had this selflessness with the way that they used their money. Like Ananda Pendika, and what his name meant was uh, kind of a refuge to those in difficulty, uh, the poor people. But if we have this craving for more things, and we go about that in a way that harms, that doesn't have uh, moral boundaries, then that is incorrect. That isn't the way to gain true happiness. Even though through that we may get a lot of wealth, but we're not going to be happy. We just keep wanting more and more. It's like a rocket that when that's um, on the ground and then it starts to fire and it goes up in the air and it uh, gets faster and faster. It can even get to the point where it's nine times the speed of sound. Um, but, and so our craving is like that. And that initially we might be kind of content with what we have, but then this craving comes up and just wants more and more. Really, that we're able to kind of produce all the things in this world, like these rockets or other things, that comes from the craving in our minds. And so there's this constant wanting there because of craving. But if that craving uh, starts to lessen, then our wantings lessen. So we try to find this path out, um, this path out of suffering. But before the Buddha, no one was able to discover that. There were many practitioners who practiced yoga, or could get into jhanas. But still, that was all to do with self. And some, or many of the people, didn't experience much peace, or some did experience peace, but that was all still too to do with self. If they could get into peace, then there was a more subtle level of self, but there was still self there. And there were many who had a very coarse sense of self, and those who didn't have any moral boundaries. But when wisdom comes up, then 
they're able to develop the self into one that is virtuous. Then they develop the self higher so that it has certain qualities, the qualities of devas, as Hiri and Otapa, this wise um, shame and fear of wrongdoing. And then if there's an energy of the mind until the point where the mind can gain peace, get into states of jhana, then that's an even more subtle level of self. But it's still self. You still take it as, I have samadhi, I've gained jhana. And then when they get out of that peaceful state, then that craving comes up, just like before. And there's difficulties that are there, just like before. In that state of jhana, they're able to suppress the defilements, able to suppress delusion temporarily. But they can get deluded by that state and thinking that this is the Dhamma, I've seen the Dhamma. Some people, they get great amounts of rapture and samadhi becomes very strong and clear. There's this brightness there within their hearts and an incredible amount of happiness until they understand this is Marga and Pala, this is the past, the fruitions, this is Nibbana. And it's only when that state deteriorates that they understand that's not actually the case, this is just Samadhi. But they're deluded there, they're lost along this path, and getting lost on the path is something that's very scary. If there's someone to tell them um, the right way to give them understanding then it's okay but for many people even though they get these instructions they don't listen so we try to abandon this delusion so it gets less and less this delusion in terms of self you see that venerable Anya Kondanya he could practice samadhi into high levels. But even though he could do that, there was still the sense of self. He wasn't able to abandon that self because it was so deeply embedded there within his heart. It's like he was trying to find that thing that he was after and very confident it was in that blue box. And he saw the red box there, but he thought, no, it's, it's not there, it's not in that box. Really certain that it was in the blue box. And the Buddha came along and said, oh look, that all things that are of the nature to arise are of the nature to cease. So Venerable Anya Kondanya, he was had been born a long time ago. And so do we think that he had seen these things before? Had he seen things arise and cease before? Well, of course he had. He had seen those. He'd seen people get born and then get old and grow sick and die. He saw how many different things in this world, very valuable things, deteriorate. He'd seen all of that before. He'd seen things change. He wasn't confused about that. 
But when he saw these things, he didn't really see them deeply in his heart. He just saw them in an ordinary way, in a worldly way. But it wasn't a transcendent um, knowledge. He didn't see in terms of not-self. He'd seen old age, sickness and death. But he saw that as self. As it's that person who's getting old, this person is sick, that person has died. He'd seen many things deteriorate or break, but he still saw it as a glass that had broken. Still took things in terms of beings, in terms of individuals, us and them. But the Buddha taught him, and it's like he opened that red box. And as soon as he opened it, then Anyakandanya was able to see what was inside. And he saw, ah, oh, it's here, that thing that I've been looking for for so long, it's in this box. This freedom from suffering, this emptiness, it's right here. He'd been trying to find that blue box, certain that it was there, but he wasn't able to find it. Because it was still, that was still involved with the sense of self. But the Buddha taught him, he taught him about the nature of things, that whatever is of the nature to arise is of the nature to cease. And is it appropriate to attach to any of these things? And if we understand that all physical and mental phenomena are not self, and that means that we've seen the Dhamma, we've understood the Dhamma, we've seen it with clarity. So before, um, he had seen these things in Yokandanya, but he saw them in a worldly way. He saw old age, sickness and death, but just in an ordinary way. In the way that the people in the world see it. But then he saw again, but he saw it in terms of Dhamma, in terms of not-self. And through that he saw the Dhamma. And those who see the Dhamma, they see the Buddha. So for him, he had seen the Buddha many times, for a long time already. He first saw him when he was a Bodhisattva, and then again when he was the Buddha who came to teach him. But he still saw him as um, a Buddha, as a being. He still saw him as Siddhartha, Gautama. But he didn't yet see him as Dhamma, as truth. Because the Buddha had realized anatta as not-self already. So really there was no person there. And it was only when Anya Kondanya saw him like this as not-self, then he could see the Dhamma, he could claim this clear understanding that all things are anicca, dukkha, anatta. They're all changing and stressful and not-self. But this depends upon our samadhi. Do we need that samadhi to give rise to wisdom? And that samadhi in turn depends upon sila, upon virtue. So may all of us be firm in our efforts, firm in our forbearance, in order to see the truth.
if our minds are thinking a lot, then we can chant very, very quickly, recite our meditation words very fast, in order to bring the mind to peace. Because if our minds aren't peaceful, then we won't see the truth. So we need to put in our efforts to bring them to peace. And may all of you set your hearts on this.